Franklin Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Welcome to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast as we explore the college decision-making process during this COVID-19 crisis. I'm really excited to have Todd Weaver with us today. Todd is the Senior Vice President for Strategies for College, Inc. and an independent educational counselor. Since 1990, Strategies for College, Inc. has been helping students and families make informed college decisions based on skill level, academic interest, and personal finances. Thank you for being here today, Todd. Sure. I really appreciate the invitation here, Julie. It's wonderful to be able to talk to families about college. My company works with families who are looking to find great opportunities for their students academically and socially and do it at the right price. And by that, I I mean, we're helping families to figure out what they can afford first before they go shopping for the school. So in many ways, it's like finding out a mortgage payment before you shop for a house, which seems logical, right? But unfortunately, a lot of families look at trying to find a school that they think their student wants without realizing what the bottom line is going to be and running into a lot of challenges with funding and debt and other financial issues. That is such a great way to put it, shopping for a school. Because, for example, I would not take my daughter shopping to Barney's for a dress, yet you know, we'd probably go to Marshall's, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I might inadvertently be telling her to, in the future, to apply for schools that we might not be able to afford or we might not be able to make the sacrifices to finance that. So that's a great way to look at college. We've been lulled into the fantasy that we need to provide our children with this quintessential college experience. But what we're finding out is that the price of that far outweighs what we're willing to sacrifice now and into the future. So what a great perspective and way to look at college choices. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a very practical approach in this day and age. So the class of 2020 really has had a unique situation going on. They did not get to finish their senior year picking colleges without visiting them and just doing virtual tours and essentially signing up to pay for tuition and an educational experience that they may or may not be getting. Can you give us kind of a glimpse of what families and students are going through right now? Working with the seniors who just graduated, I really feel for them. It's been a challenging time for sure. I know that a lot of the students are gung-ho and ready to go to college, and they've been working for several years toward this goal, and they all have the expectation and idea of what it's supposed to look and feel like, and they're not really willing to sit at home on the couch anymore. (laughs) But the parents I've talked to are a little apprehensive because they can probably see the bigger picture a little bit better than their students can. And I've had some parents call me about 
do we go or not? Is gap year an option or? A gap year usually refers to a year between high school and college that a student takes to work, travel, or figure out what they want to pursue in terms of higher education. This concept started in the 1960s as baby boomers wanted to experience other cultures and to avoid world conflicts and future wars. But it didn't take long for companies to capitalize on this concept and create gap year experiences for students wanting this untraditional kind of experience. So now a gap year can be as structured or as unstructured as you choose. Should we just send our students? So there's a lot of issues going on and concerns up in the air. It's been interesting to see what's come out of this, though. I know Hobson's, which is a company that does a lot of higher ed consulting, surveyed over 10,000 students. And surprisingly, it looks as though the students last year in 2019 who said they were going to a four-year college was around 68% of high school grads. And in 2020, it's around 64%. So it really hasn't changed all that much. The survey Todd is talking about is based on results from nearly 10,000 students who are registered in Naviance, the college planning application of Hobson's used by 13 million students at more than 13,000 U.S. high schools. So what you're saying is that the students are still forging ahead and making their plans, but you're feeling in the apprehension on behalf of the parents that you're talking to. I am, and I... I try to talk about it every time I speak with the students that you may have some changes coming at you over the summer. I mean, many colleges are putting out all sorts of plans and ideas around how to make things safe and protect students and professors when people come back to campus. But the reality is many of them don't have any idea what it's going to look like. And the other thing is, depending on where your college is, you have to abide by the state guidelines for their respective public health systems, whether they're allowed to open up or not. And we may not know that for a few months. Exactly. Have you seen students and and parents change their choices from maybe traveling further away for college and choosing schools that are more local? I have, actually. That's a really uh, good question there, because I've seen students who had some ideas of going away to school and trying new things and They still will have that opportunity at a college in particular, but it seems to me that some of the students I've been working with have decided to stay uh, within a two-hour, three-hour radius from home. Right, because the students who were currently in college when the COVID-19 crisis hit and were told to return home, the families were faced with a lot of challenges getting their student home, and then sometimes going back to the school at the end of the semester when the student had been learning virtually for a couple of months to retrieve their belongings from their dorm rooms. Yes. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. And on top of that, they also had to try to work with the schools to determine whether or not they were doing any refunds on housing. Exactly. And what did you see in that respect? Most colleges have been pretty good at either giving back funds that had been Uh, deposited for the spring semester for housing or sending credits to the students and saying, we'll give you a credit for the fall semester when you return, which is kind of an interesting way to do it. It could mean that the school didn't have the funds to send back or they're trying to use that as a carrot to bring the student back in the fall. You advise families on 
where to apply to school, where the, you know, they're most likely to get in, where they're most likely to get merit scholarships, financial aid. How do you see this changing in this environment? From our perspective at our company, we try to work with families on the right fit at the right price and the right payment strategy. We want to make sure both the student and the parents are looking at college as a four-year budgetary expenditure that they get in, fit in, and get out on time, which is kind of rare. (laughs) But that's the goal that we try to help provide students and families so they're graduating with as little debt as possible. When we calculate the total cost of college, it's easy to estimate poorly because of different fees we didn't calculate, travel, the price of books. But what most families are not calculating is that more than half of college freshmen will not graduate in four years. This percentage, of course, varies from school to school, but nationally, less than 45% of college students graduate in four years. I have seen some colleges come back this past spring when the admissions results came in with additional scholarships and enticements, and uh, they've ex- they did extend the deadlines for deposits by at least a month. And some schools are even holding out over the summer, saying you can still get your deposit back if you feel by July or August that you can't come, but we want to hold your spot, so send some money in. So they're being more flexible in that respect. Well, that's good. There seem to be so many expectations to manage because, well, there are varied levels of expectations. There are students who are going to college purely for its purpose, to get an education, to get a degree. And there are others who've been looking forward to and will pay for this quote-unquote college experience, right? Whether that means moving far away or living on campus. And this price can be really steep. And, And if you take away the experience part of that college experience, it's kind of a different story. Well, at least financially, right? That's the whole what if question right now, because I think people are hearing that there will be a new approach this fall, but many of these colleges that talk about that have four or five different contingency plans that they don't even know which one they're going to implement yet. So we don't even know what is going to happen this fall for a lot of these schools. And I think, for lack of a better term, I think colleges are a little delusional right now, thinking that they're going to run things as usual or make things seem fun and exciting and new and and have a great opportunity for students. Don't get me wrong, some will have that, but it's going to be a very different landscape this fall. And it's interesting to me, that same study I talked about earlier, last year, financial aid was one of the top four factors in choosing their college. And that answer came back at about 40% of the survey. So it's pretty high. But this year in 2020, almost 60% said financial aid was a driving factor in choosing their college. So from a decade ago, it used to be, can I get into the right place that I want and find the right major and experience to becoming, oh, where can I go where I'm not going to graduate with a ton of debt, be able to live a life after college? Student debt just keeps climbing and climbing. In 2010, the average college graduate had $25,000 in student debt. In 2020, that average has climbed to nearly 33000 Colleges are still sitting in many boards of directors at the colleges are still sitting in their ivory towers and raising tuition, even in this difficult time. 
which to me just seems tone deaf, but they're still doing it. And they're probably going to continue to get away with it until families finally say, I'm not going to pay that. (laughs) You know, this is not the experience that we signed up for, for our student. What can students and families do now to take control of this, well, this seemingly uncontrollable situation? What choices do they have? The students have to consider going to college with this whole new world around them and continue moving forward and don't don't get stuck in a place where they're just sitting around waiting for the schools or uh, the public health system to tell them what to do. Colleges are still going to be there and they're still going to be teaching. It may just be in a different format and a different setting than they expected to see. But I think it's important for students to jump in and embrace what is available to them, knowing that within a year or two, hopefully, things may return to some sense of what the college experience was meant to be for them. You know, I think families heading off to school, students heading off to school are going to be dealing with the fact that many colleges are only allowing one parent to drop off a child. The whole family cannot come and help. (laughs) There's going to be physical changes. There's plexiglass in all the buildings now, face masks, sanitizer stations all over the college. And I think those are some of the things that we as a society are trying to get used to and, and understand. But it's important to realize that's how the learning environment is going to be for the near future anyway. Yikes. So many of the expectations and those those Kodak moments, as we used to say, have changed. And and so pushing forward on goals is really important, right? Even if the experience is different. When a family just can't afford to pay for said college that was coming with all these bells and whistles that now is not, what is your opinion about delaying or deferring, maybe taking some community college classes to get some requirements in? Is that an option that that you're hearing people take? It is. And I, I think that's always a viable option for people to consider in that it makes sense to take a look at what's available at the community college level or the state universities that are closer to home. Perhaps they have a great online program that's already been in place for a year or more. And for them, it could be pretty easy to add more students to that system. And the pricing could be a lot better. And it's obviously not what many students may have pictured their first freshman experience to be. But again, in the times that we're in, this is some possibility of continuing your education, perhaps getting some of the basic general education classes out of the way first at a lower price and, you know, be able to continue enhancing your skills while you're waiting for that college experience to come back. The Massachusetts Association of Community Colleges works with state universities and some private colleges to ensure that credit earned at community college seamlessly transfers towards credits to a four-year institution. For more information on the Commonwealth Commitment Program, go to masscc.org. And I've seen community college as an option. I've heard families talk a lot about a program called a gap year. Gap years can be a lot of different things for different people. They could be gap semesters or gap years where you take time off from school and perhaps work or travel, but we don't have the opportunity really to do much traveling at this stage. And so it's going to be a different type of structure for many programs that a student might be looking at. Now, there are some entities out there that are doing a great job at 
trying to provide gap opportunities where a student gets some real life experience and some college credits under their belt at the same time. So those do exist. It's just a matter of looking around and seeing if that's the right alternative for your student to consider. So managing our expectations and being flexible seem like the key thing here, because really we don't know what's going to happen. And from what I'm hearing from you, it seems as though the colleges, even though they're making a plan, don't either. I think it's important for students to go in with an open mind here and, again, realize that they've worked really hard for this and they're bright, they're able to think on their feet, and many of them will be very successful with this process. And Some may struggle a little bit because they're used to having a rubric to follow and that may not be available right away. That's really interesting because we have raised a generation of students who follow a rubric. This pandemic has absolutely thrown a wrench in all the things that students have been told would happen. I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball now, Todd. And and how do you think this is going to affect the class of 2021? Well, my gosh, that's the big question. And I think college admissions folks that I've been listening to and sitting in on planning webinars and so forth, have been talking about how they first and foremost want every student and family to be healthy, be safe. The next step is a big change for them because for the top probably 100 or 150 colleges out there, many of them tend to focus very heavily on grades in the tough classes that a student can take in high school and look at the curriculum of that high school. And that third component is the test scores. And that third component, the third leg of the stool, if you will, is being pulled out this year. Many colleges have decided to allow students to apply without submitting test scores, which is a wonderful thing, I think. I really think it's going to be a way to hopefully reduce some of the stress for the students and, frankly, the schools. Think about where you took your SAT when you were of age. It was at the high school cafeteria, or perhaps you had to travel to another high school. And Who knows what the high schools are going to look like this fall? We don't even know if there will be places for students to sit and take a test. And I think that's been a huge help and relief for many students. I do know that there are some students who are competitive and test well, and they may still be able to have an opportunity to show the colleges their test scores or perhaps even take a diagnostic test that can be fully graded and and looked at by a test prep company. Not every student has access to that, of course, but that could be one way that some students can show the colleges what their standardized tests look like. But, you know, I think the testing is one of the biggest things that the class of 2021 may have relief from. I think you had made mention about, will there be a spot for me next year if all these students are deferring this year? And, you know, I think that's going to vary from school to school because one school in particular mentioned on one of their webinars that they only allow 40 students to defer each year. And those seats were already full, so they're not allowing anybody else to defer. So you either come to school or you go somewhere else (laughs) in that situation. So I think it's going to vary from school to school. I honestly think people were talking a big game about gap years or deferring. I don't think many will actually do it. So it definitely sounds like keeping on track is essential here. I mean, colleges are doing what they can at this point to be accommodating and remain flexible, and students are trying to do the same thing. And 
it's a little bit nerve wracking because it, it takes obviously a level of commitment to apply to college and then get accepted. And, and I think there's probably a level of anxiety among most parents that their children have to work a little bit harder to stay goal oriented at this time, not knowing which way's up right now. It's interesting, too, to see how even the colleges have had to be flexible in terms of measuring students for admission. I mean, do you think these recent changes will prompt colleges to not even use standardized testing as an admission standard in the future? I believe it could be coming for a lot of schools in the future. I I think the schools have to figure out how to uncouple their awarding system from the test scores. Many schools award merit scholarships based on test scores. So without that component, it's going to be a bit of a different approach that they're going to have to take to figure out who deserves or gets the merit scholarship awards at college going forward. So that could be a big change. You know, another thing I I believe is colleges tend to be rated a certain way because of the test scores that their students have. Definitely. It's all so complicated. Well, thank you, Todd, for kind of shedding some light on this. I mean, with with your experience and and helping families for decades and making these tough college choices and taking into account their students' needs and wishes and dreams, but also their family's finances, it's it's a tricky balance. And it seems as though it's it's just a little bit more. I like everything lately. It's a little bit more tricky in the middle of this pandemic. And it's reassuring to hear that the first responses from the colleges that you've been in touch with has been the health and safety of the families, because ultimately that's important. Things can get delayed and we might have to put some things on hold for a while or manage our expectations on what to expect in the next year. But the health and safety of our families is the most important. Since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, if you could use one word to describe your relationship with money, what would it be? Oh, freedom. I think when you understand where your money is and how it works, it gives you the freedom to focus on things in life that are important to you, like your family. Absolutely. Good answer. In this No Shame in This Money Game podcast, I uh, every podcast I spin my wheel and get a random question that I like to ask my guests. So uh, yours is coming right up. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Oh, speaking of college, what is a college class you didn't take when you were in college that you wish you had taken and why? Oh, that's a great question. I heard so many people rave about this crazy psychology professor that just was a wonderful teacher. And I never took that class. Wishing back now, I had that chance. That's probably the class I would have jumped right into. Sometimes it's not the subject, it's the teacher, oftentimes, actually. Uh, I'm going to spin this question on myself. I wanted to take a circus skills class when I was in in college, and I told my brother, and he said, Mom and Dad will kill you, and so I didn't. (laughs) But, (laughs) But now I kind of wish I had. This is just one of Rockland Trust's financial education initiatives and just one way I get to teach about money. 
In 2011, I co-wrote a musical about saving, sharing, and spending money for elementary school students called Miss Money and the Coins, and have performed it nearly 450 times since then, making it the longest-running musical about financial literacy in the world. So regrets? I have a few. I just may have been able to incorporate some tightrope walking or trapeze into Miss Money and the Coins. Oh, well... Thank you, Todd. And to learn more about Strategies for College, go to strategiesforcollege.com. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator, at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com. 